0: Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. Hello everybody. Welcome back to a brand new season of The Unstoppable Singer. It's season 5. I can't believe we've been going for almost 5 years straight now. That's incredible. Uh I am your host. I am a singer and a vocal coach. My name is Danielle Tucker. The Unstoppable Singer is a live interview style show where we dive into the lives of real life professional singers who have Uh, achieved incredible feats in their careers. Um, We explore the challenges and the triumphs that come with life under the bright lights, and we learn what being unstoppable truly means to them. So If you are passionate about music and stories about remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. Stick around because I'm about to introduce my wonderful guest today. Uh, Today we have a truly exceptional guest. He's a Chicago-born R&B soul sensation whose powerful vocals and soulful melodies have captured the heart's of audiences worldwide coming from a musical family and heavily influenced by legends from Motown classic soul gospel and jazz our guest has carved his own path in the world of music he's not only a remarkable vocalist but also a navy veteran who served his country with distinction during his military career he had the privilege of performing for millions of people across Africa Europe and the United States spreading joy and inspiration through his music and now he's based in sunny San Diego, California, where he continues to make waves in the music scene. But that's not all. He's also an accomplished producer and has been recognized with the San Diego Award nomination for Best R&B Funk Soul Album for his project Silver Lining. And there's an exciting event on the horizon for him, a Stevie Wonder tribute show happening on... February 10th at the Brooks Theater in Oceanside. So you won't want to miss that. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the incredible Corey Gillis. Hello, Corey. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing awesome. This is so great to have you on today because I also am in San Diego and San Diego has such an incredible uh, music scene. It's, it's a very tight knit community, you know, very, very supportive. And inevitably we all cross paths at one point, either subbing in bands or just like running into each other at venues. And you and I have been running in the same circles for a long time, but this is actually our first time actually meeting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm it.
1: so glad to finally get the chance to meet you. I've, I've heard your name so much um, over the years and like, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, when you reached out, I was so excited. I'm like, what? I finally get to meet Danielle. Like this is, <laughs> I had no idea you even knew who I was. So yeah.
0: This is yeah, of course. Well, the it, I feel exactly the same way. So this is, this will be awesome getting to know you this way. And then I know we're going to cross paths soon it, for Absolutely. realties. <laughs> <laughs> so it is January 2024. Tell me how the new year is starting out for you and what projects you have going on.
1: Yes. Oh, man. Um, 2024, You usually the, the first trimester of the year is super slow. I'm used to that. You know, everybody's, mm-hmm. um, you know, dry January is a thing and everybody yeah. is trying to... <laughs> Um, get their resolutions together. You know, they're very resolved in their, um, <clears throat> you know, their plans to to better themselves or whatever they're going to do for the new year. So the, the first trimester is not really about partying and celebrating because we've done all that in the, in the holidays. So mm-hmm. usually the first trimester is very slow. However, this year is not. This year is starting up um, very busy and I'm very excited about it. Um, February is Mardi Gras time. So that's always exciting. I I have a couple shows coming up in February. um, And there's also some casino gigs at Sequoia. So just preparing um, set lists and bands for, for those shows um, for Mardi Gras, the Mardi Gras show is going to be at Louisiana Purchase and North Park. So for those who are here in San Diego on, on February 13th, they're doing a, um, a Mardi Gras party. Um and then so they reached out and so that's exciting. I'm trying to get that together. And then also um the next day they're doing like a Valentine's Day singles mixer. Oh fun. Which is different. Usually Valentine's Day is about couples, but they decided to they decided to put a spin on it.
0: I think it's a great <laughs> idea. I love yeah,
1: it. I thought so too. I'm like, oh yeah, nobody ever People don't, you know, what about the single folks during Valentine's Day? So that's a, <laughs> so exactly they're gonna. do a, gonna do a, a great party. day to meet
0: someone. Actually, I think that's really romantic. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, so they're planning that, and we're in the um, works of organizing that. Um, and then the biggest thing is my dream show. I've always, always wanted to um, do a tribute to Stevie Wonder because Stevie Wonder is my all-time favorite artist Mm, of all time i mean yes growing up as a teenager a child even like as far as back as i can remember honestly but when i really was focused on singing when i was really serious about my craft um it just so happened that it was also the same time i discovered songs in the key of life his Mm -hmm. album Mm -hmm. which is my all-time favorite thing on album and People a lot of times they're like, "How do you know how to sing? How do you learn how to sing like that? What can I do? What is your, what's your advice?" And I always say, "You know what? Listen to songs in the kid life, and if you learn all those songs and learn all those runs, by the end of it, you will know how to sing."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. Good advice. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so that's that dream is finally coming to fruition. We're doing mm-hmm. a Stevie Wonder tribute show. In Oceanside at the Brooks Theater on February tenth. I'm super excited. It's a 14 piece band, so that means there's a lot of um, organization involved. You know, mm-hmm. rehearsals and everyone's schedules, and then me organizing the, the vocal harmonies and like there's just there's a lot to do, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that is um, what is keeping me the most busy um, at the start of the year, uh, and then I have. The Gillises are coming from Chicago. Lord have mercy. I'm so excited. So they they're flying in. So <laughs> uh,
0: this is a big deal.
1: That's a huge deal. Whenever my family comes here, like, oh Corey is just, I'm like elevated to another. Life. I'm the mm-hmm. only Gillis in San Diego. And I wish I could bring all of them here, but and I uh the only thing I miss about home is the people. Like Chicago is just too cold. I love it. It's a great city. Love my city. Absolutely love it. Um, but it's too cold for me to, when I figured out, I don't have to live that way. To, <laughs> like, it's January. I got those short sleeves. I walk around, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Once you've been in San Diego for a while, that's really hard to hard go though. anywhere else, especially somewhere that is just very, very cold, like Chicago. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's probably 30 degrees that right now. So, Woo. But anyway, so yeah, so they're coming, some of them, and cause it's a lot of us. Um, but, um, that's also keeping me busy organizing, um, that the, their travel plans with them and they're excited. So, you know, we're, oh, you know, talking about, well, what else we're going to do when I get here? And, you know, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, exciting mm-hmm. times.
0: Wonderful. Well, tell me about the, uh, the band that you've put together for that night.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, where do I begin? So the rhythm section, I guess I can start with them. Um, the rhythm section on drums is Dave Butterfield. He is mostly known for uh, my normal, my the drummer I usually use is Chris Cancellari. But unfortunately, um, Chris is having surgery, so he can't make this show. Hmm. Um, but uh, he and I met in uh, Navy musician school. Actually, we met in music school like 20 years ago. So we've been... Um, long time friendship and he also is the drummer on my album so he's like my main kind of my main first (laughs) go-to he can't make it but I'm gonna use Dave Butterfield who's an amazing drummer he um, he is the drummer for a, a local group called the routine and they've been around they've got multiple San Diego music awards um, they've been on the scene for some years. I don't know if you you know them, but the routine's great. Um, mm-hmm. It's Dave Butterfield, Rue Ramo, Nick Hine, and Brian uh, is the lead singer. You know Brian. <clears throat> um, and so anyway, so we're using I'm using Dave for drums for this. And then Kevin Cooper, who's yeah, everybody knows Coop. He's been mm-hmm. around forever. He's on bass. And then guitar is Rue Ramo. And then I've got two keyboardists. Kevin Lum is going to be on keys as well as Chase Paddo because it's Stevie Wonder. So that's, you know, a lot of keys going on.
0: Yeah, a lot of keys going on. Yeah, keys going on. <laughs>
1: Organs and synthesizers and a lot of stuff. So we, yeah. we, need, we need two. <laughs> so we're doing that. And then I have um, also on guitar and percussion is Jacob Fletcher, who is of the B Sections. Have you ever heard of them? They're a popular San Diego group as well. Um, And then on vocals, I'm going to have actually four background singers. I'm using Sandy King, um, as well as Melody Ebner, Allison Smith, and Tony Lee. Tony Lee also has an album out. He's great. He's amazing voice. He's going to sound so good. I'm going to actually feature... Um, All of them at some point in the show. I'm really excited for that. It's going to be fun. And then um, the horn section is going to be Roy G. Brown, who is also serving as musical director.
0: Yes, Roy. You know Roy? Yeah.
1: Roy was my first boss. Roy was in the Navy too. And Mm so when I, my very first band when I got um, to San Diego, he was he was my he was my boss. He was like right, you know the my uh, supervisor, right in charge of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he's on trombone and his musical director, and then on saxophone I have Malcolm Jones. Malcolm Jones and I actually play in another group together, um, the Mustache Bash. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, we used to talk about the Mustache Bash too. That's great fun. Um, so and Malcolm Jones is on saxophone and then Jordan Adams is on Trumpet. And I think that's everybody, right? I did the vocals, rhythm section, horn section. Yeah. yeah. And then me. So 14 That phones. is a
0: super solid lineup. That's right. gonna be an amazing show.
1: Yes, I'm very excited.
0: That's really great. Well, I'll make sure that we put um links to uh tickets. Absolutely. For that show. I wish you the very, very best with that. That'll be amazing. Yes. Yeah. So you also have um, your own band here in San Diego that you go out with. Tell me about that.
1: Yes. Uh, So um, Koji Soul Reprise is my band. Um, And that's this band as well. Plus, you know, extra Mm -hmm. people, (laughs) additional help, additional musicians. Um, Koji Soul Reprise started during COVID actually um you know a lot lots of projects started during COVID right we had (laughs) so much time on our hands like this show even as I think you were saying so yeah lots of time on my hands uh up until that point I had just been doing covers I literally was you know singing other people's songs even Mm -hmm. though I had been flirting with original music throughout the years I had written some stuff and just um didn't really know where I was going with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I was just doing it for fun or I don't know what I was doing. Honestly, I was just, <laughs> you just get inspired and then you, you know, you do something that you don't think about what's yeah. going to come of it. You just do it because you feel it in your spirit and you want to mm-hmm. do it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it had happened up until that point. Um, and then COVID happened and COVID was scary because <laughs> You know, when it first started, we just, I was very nervous. I didn't know, you know, whether I was going to live or not. People were just, people Mm -hmm. were dying out of nowhere. It was scary. Yeah. And so I was just like, well, whatever I'm going to do, I need to hurry up and do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of what was the impetus um, for me. Just like, I'm going to write an album because yeah. i had these songs you know and i mean they were all half songs at that point you know i come up with a melody or come up with a lyric you know it'd be like two lines mm-hmm. and then um so you know but still remembered it like you know wrote it down like this is a cool idea that mm-hmm. i'll get to one day And then that day came, which is and which is kind of where Silver Lining came from. Because even though COVID was such a dark time, um, there was a silver lining to it, Um, Mm. and and it was um, that album. And it was the reminder that people are the most thing in this world. Because look what happens when you're disconnected from them, when you're not allowed to be around them. We didn't, you know, that was the was the worst part of it right we couldn't yeah we couldn't be with our people and that felt so awful and we were just you know it's like you can't be with your people what are you doing so Mm -hmm. that reminder was a silver lining as well as the fact that i have written an album yeah (laughs) and so that's why i titled it um silver, and that's the title track um, of the album as well and um, so much fun doing that. Um, uh, I called Nick Hine and I was like, hey, I think I, I think I think I got something with these songs. What do you think? And I was very nervous and I just sent him like a voice memo. Yeah. I sent him like three or four vo- voice memos of the songs and he was like, Corey, these are great. Like, <laughs> he was so excited. And um, And then Chris Consellari, who I was talking about earlier, my drummer, um, I went to his house and he and I, um, you know, he plays the drum. So he was like putting grooves to it while I was singing along to my songs. And, and then it's, it's something really special about um, in your head that, you know, that you're able to now bring to life. Yeah. So when that happens, it, it was, it was a super exciting time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I'm writing again now. So (laughs) Um, I'm excited for 2024 because there are going to be some new tracks coming out this year for sure. Um, Not sure when, but I already have like two or three written. Two for sure done. And then one, two and a half, you say. But, (laughs) But once, once I, you know, get an idea, you know, but I think this time I'm just I'm gonna do singles. Albums are a lot of work. I have no idea how much Oh
0: God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is like it's like having a baby. It's like growing a baby and having a baby.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. It is so I that was so much work. I, I've never worked as hard on something, mm-hmm. but it was it was also, you know, it's a passion project, right? It's mm-hmm. you you love it. So it kind of it went by before I knew it they had, you know, a year had gone by and I, and I had this album, but like um, realistically now, I think I'm just going to do um, singles for mm-hmm. this year. <laughs> I'm going to release, I'm going to release some singles. And um, also because in the interest of time, I rather, I'm excited just to get it out to the people. Yeah. Yeah. And if I did an album, I would have to wait longer and I don't, and you know, now that I know what I know, I don't have to do that I can just release some singles yeah um one at a time if I decide to do a compilation and make it an album later then
0: that's mm-hmm.
1: you know we'll do that but I um yeah uh ideally yeah. I really love the next time I do an album with somebody else going you know because <laughs> I have to do everything right know? <laughs> I don't have, I'm not on the label no label did it I literally did it all myself so When I do my next album, it will be um, with help. Hopefully, some um, label will watch this and and pick me up or something. But
0: yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: put that out in the universe right now. But uh, (laughs) but next time, yeah, next time I do an album, um, ideally, I would love for um, some kind of sponsorship.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Oh, I love it. Well, that's exciting. And I think dropping, you know, singles as a strategy is really kind of the way right now. So that's amazing. Yeah, good.
1: Nobody's buying CDs and tapes no more. Like we just, (laughs) we listen to one song at a time Mm -hmm. from TikTok (laughs) or Instagram. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Great. Well, I am I would love to go back a little bit further in your life. You've dropped a few hints about where, where your journey has led you along the mm-hmm. way, but let's go way, way back to the beginning and tell me what sparked music for you um, originally in your life. Oh,
1: yeah, that's so... <laughs> even before i can remember i was singing and dancing like i was singing and dancing before i like my family will tell me stories of you know when i was you know two and three and singing and dancing before i could even talk Mm. completely you know (laughs) so it's, it's always been a thing but i come from a musical family my um my grandmother sang and played piano all around the different churches where i grew up um and then she had seven children Mm. And of those seven children, five of them sang. So that's a lot of singing folks, right? So I just grew up around um, music a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, Her son, my uncle, the youngest, um, the youngest boy is also the pastor of the church that a lot of people go to back home. I'm Mm -hmm. from East Chicago, Indiana. So it's right across the border. It's about, yeah. 15, 10, 15 minutes from the South side of Chicago. Um, And so it's called East. The name of it is East Chicago, Indiana, which confuses people, but I just say the Chicago area. (laughs) Um, But in Chicago, um, everyone used to go to new community Baptist church. And my uncle was the pastor of that church. And so, and then, you know, as when I got older, um, I sang in his church as well. With you know, um, my grandmother sang in the tenor section with me because she was older, so you know her, you know her voice dropped. She so, she was singing the tenor section with me, and my auntie was the choir director, um, and then I had another auntie in the soprano section, and you know, so the fa- the choir was full of my family. Uh-huh. The audience is full of my family, as well as like the as well as like the rest of uh, the city. So. Um I never forget like whenever my grandmother would play the piano and sing in her home. It was such a treat. It was such a special treat for me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would just stop where whatever I'm doing, I would stop and like go and, and listen. Like mm-hmm. she played just excited to be. <laughs> um and my auntie as well, her the, yeah, my mother's younger sister, whenever she would be in her room, like, you know, getting ready to go out or whatever she's going to do, and she'd be singing to the radio, and I would like sit outside her door and just listen and be like, ooh,
0: how's <laughs> he <Auntie> singing?
1: <laughs> she, she'd be blowing down the house, getting ready. I also got Natalie Cole, whatever she's
0: doing.
1: <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I grew up in a very musical um, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that I never really thought there was anything special about me when I sang mm-hmm. because I was so used to everyone else um, just being, you know, so super special and, and um, you know, everyone losing their minds when they would open their mouths. So it was, mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, <laughs> yeah. but one day I was at school and, um, they had the class, they had the class do, it was, um, they had the class do Whitney Houston's Greatest Love of All, oh, man. And we had to like sing it as a, as a class. And then I was singing along and you know, then, um, I'll never forget, uh, the girl next to me, she turned and looked and she said, Corey, you sound just like the record. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I
0: was
1: younger and my voice was higher. So I was able to like, tell you mm. you sound like the record. And so I think at that point is when I was like, oh, well, maybe there is something special about what I sing, you know?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but I always loved to sing. I always loved singing music. Um, always at my grandmother's piano. Whenever I had the chance, I could pick out a melody. When I was like seven years old, I would be able to like just, you know, pick out a melody on the piano. And me and my mother would play Heart and Soul together. And- hmm my mother reminds me a lot of Dionne Warwick when she sings. My mother mm-hmm. sings too. I'm pro. I'm actually the product of a singer and a drummer um, on the road to in, in Indiana University, Bloomington. <laughs> is how I came to be. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, musical background. When I became 14, there were these shows, and they were put on by this. Lady in the area who was a vocal teacher, mm-hmm. um, and so she would teach piano and she taught voice. And at the end of the school year, she would do this big show. And so when I was fourteen, I went to one of these, and I was like, "Oh, oh, I want to do that. I can do that." So I asked my mom. I was like, wow can I take lessons uh, from Miss Bryant so I can be in her show?" I, re- I didn't really care about the lessons. I just wanted to be in the show. Right. Okay. <laughs> I got to go every week and, and, you know, practice for an hour. That's fine. But I really just want to be in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom said, yeah, she let me do it. I was very excited. Um, So I took vocal lessons from her from 14 to about 18 when I, when I graduated high school. Um, And then high school, they had the NAACP, um, had a competition called Axo ACT- so. A-C-T-S-O. So the Axo so competition was it wasn't just music, it was everything it was it was um, like science,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know poetry, literary, it was arts, it was everything. And so I was in the of course the singing part of it. Um, and then I won for the state and went and competed nationally for that. Uh- and that was kind of like my big like um aha moment like this is something you can probably do you know this <laughs> time,
0: you're on to something here <laughs> <You> know, something.
1: <laughs> 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 and I'll never forget uh Smokey Robinson's wife was one of the judges oh I wow like, I was like, oh Smokey Robinson's wife and Holly Robinson Pete was there and I was like oh, all these famous um accomplished black folks everywhere and I was just like what's going on here like was, you know it was it was very impactful for me at a, yeah. as an 18 year old to be a part of that and so yeah. that was kind of my aha moment and that's um I started doing weddings at that point I would just do the ceremonies though not like how you know you and I do corporate and wedding Bands. I wasn't there yet, I, but I would do like people would be like, Will you sing at my wedding? And you know, they want me to uh-huh. sing Stevie Wonder or some kind of love song as they walk down the aisle or whatever. So I was doing that part, mm-hmm. or I would do like a love song at the reception. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, that was that was kind of my that's when I very first started dipping my toe into um, singing professionally. Um, was with, with um weddings because you know people get married and they, they want a lot of they want to celebrate they want some some amazing beautiful love songs and music so yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's how that started and i was yeah that was um in the 90s mm-hmm. uh, back when mm-hmm. i was a teenager so
0: that's a great start that's a great start so that that's when um you're you first discovered that this could potentially really be like, were you thinking this could be a profession for you or were you thinking of, did you have other career goals or anything or was music it for you?
1: I mean, at that time it was the nineties. I was a teenager. I was um, gay and didn't want to come to terms with it. So I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I was in the closet. I was, so I I was thinking it could be a thing but that that thought also very be having that much attention on me was very mm. um, the thought of that was very scary for me yeah. cuz I wasn't ready to like come out to my family so there was that whole <clears throat> And uh, I mean as as entertainers, you know, as singers, we are just literally in the limelight, you know, we're we're front center on that stage. <clears throat> And there's a lot that goes with that, like mentally, Mm -hmm. right. And emotionally, like, what does that mean to be in front of all those people all the time? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think I was cool with it locally and regionally, but the thought of doing it on a, um, you know, on a bigger scale was kind of scary. So Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I did, I think I I wanted to, but I was just scared of it is what it was. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was, I was hoping I could do it as a career in some kind of, you know, um, behind the scenes way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs>
1: Where, <clears throat> but now I'm okay with it. Now i might like, bring it on. I will go and be national <laughs> internet. I'm very, very secure in myself.
0: That's <laughs> um, wonderful. Yes, yes.
1: As a teenager, though, in the 90s, it was, you know, it was, that was rough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Teenagers years is rough enough, but then pile on, you know, a few extra special circumstances and woo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you, you get a little bit older and then you make the choice to join the Navy. And was that, um, were you thinking you wanted to be a Navy musician at that time going in, or were you just planning on joining the service?
1: Oh, no, I went very much with the idea that I was going to sing for the Navy. In fact, I I did an internet search because the internet had just come out. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago this was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm literally like, I did a search on the internet, how to make money singing oh. was my search. I still remember that. And the Navy band came up, mm-hmm. which I would have never thought, like, that was literally the last thing but what was also what's funny about it is my best friend left and joined the army like the year before so my best friend was gone he had joined the army um I at the time was a blackjack dealer uh, for one of the riverboat casinos because they the riverboat casinos had just come so I was dealing blackjack on the riverboat casino uh, and I hated it. It was so fun and glamorous for the first you know, six months and then it got old very, very fast. Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> and then, you know, people just getting mad at me for taking their money.
0: Uh, <laughs> which, which, you know
1: like I'm just playing the game i'm just doing you,
0: my job here. I'm just doing my job <laughs> you ain't got to be cussing
1: at me sir <laughs> I'm sorry you lost your red that's very sad right <laughs> but it is not my fault <laughs> um but yeah so did not and I mean I was just like I don't want to do am I gonna do this for the rest of my life like I don't want to be behind this blackjack table dealing cards forever even because that was a good paying job in the mm. 90s i was making over 20 dollars an hour in the 90s which was good money yeah so it very well could have been you know like you know i could be cool i can do what i want you know i mm-hmm. can um be a productive member of society with this casino career um, mm-hmm. but realize that is not what i wanted to do um, so then, um, I did that search, how to make money singing, um, and the Navy Band came up, and it kind of was a blessing in disguise too, because I, it was also, I mean, it was, it was cool on on multiple levels. You know, one, I got to do what I love, because I would be able to sing for money, and two, I would be able to run away from home and be where I wanted to be and figure mm. out who I was. Right. So that was exciting to me to like, just go experience um, other places. And then I remember I got my first my very first orders. I w- I wasn't a musician right away because they couldn't figure out how to get me the audition, and they were just like, "Pick something else," mm-hmm. which um, years later and looking back, I realized was just a ploy to get me in or whatever.
0: Right. Um,
1: <laughs> so I fell for that, and I was like, "Okay," but then my first <laughs> <but> my first <laughs> duty station was Spain. So um, it's funny how you know things happen, and you know they say things happen for a reason, but. Um, living in Europe for two years, you know, that early in life and having my own apartment, like, was exactly what I needed to, you know, Mm -hmm. figure out who I was and not have all these other negative messages. And you know what I'm saying? Just, I was able to concentrate and on me, you Mm -hmm. know, and figure out what I liked, who I was. And so that was, um, an amazing experience. Um, able to, you know, live in a completely different culture with different people, and just realize that you know, there's a whole. This world is big. There's a lot going yes, on.
0: Is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that really opened my eyes to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and finding myself. Yeah. Which again, going back to if you're gonna be a singer, that's important because that is how you combat that fear that people have of. You know when, when you're up there and you're afraid and you're, you know, and you, you don't want to show the true you. Um, that's just ego, really, and insecurity, and you know, not knowing who you are, not knowing your your true magic. You yeah. know. Um, so it's important to be able to. Uh, know yourself and trust yourself so that you can combat that fear Mm -hmm. because it's rough imposter syndrome is is rough but but i remember um one of my professors once told me um that you know when you're and this was about speech but it also works for for music because i was um later on this is another part of my life (laughs) after i got out of the navy um I uh, decided to complete college degrees. So I, I have a couple of college degrees and uh, communication was my major. So I was on the debate team and I got really into um, speech and performative speech. Mm-hmm. And um, my professor once was like, when you're nervous, that's just your ego. Um, and you're concentrate, you're thinking about yourself is why yeah. you're nervous. But instead of thinking about yourself, what you need to think about is the message that you're trying to convey to the audience. Mm -hmm. You concentrate on the message instead of concentrating on yourself, then that will help to alleviate a lot of that nervousness. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. When you're thinking about how you look, how you sound, Mm
0: -hmm. that is what makes you nervous. Like when you know you crack or something.
1: then, you know, you mess up and you ever hear people mess up and then they continue to mess up. They're like snowballs. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Then now they're concentrated, you know, they're focused on whatever that hiccup was instead of focusing on what it is you want the audience to understand. You're right. supposed to concentrate on that message itself. Um, and so I try to remember that as much as I can, because that is, I think, um, the best way to give the best performance, right? What are you what are you trying to tell the audience? Yeah. What do you want them to feel? You know, if you want them to feel a certain way, like how did you feel when you sang this song? What mm-hmm. when you first heard this? How did you feel? If you want them to feel that way, then you need to be concentrating on conveying that feeling to them, not concentrating on what you look like or what you sound like.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a very, very important message. And I know that it's it's um, I think that we as singers, we kind of get in that rut easily when you're in the vein of music like we are, like in the, you know, mm-hmm. corporate wedding scene, because it can become a grind. It's a little repetitive and and um And and I think we we kind of forget to be very, like, present the way that you need to be. And Mm -hmm. so that's a really good reminder to, you know, stay in that headspace, you know, to just be the best performer that you can be. Do you think that that was really shaped for you during your time in the Navy, singing in the Navy band? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, It was a lot of... um, A lot of singing to people, a lot of times who didn't even understand English. Right. Right. So that made it all about the feeling, right? They had to, because music can't transcend that. It's its own language. It's universal, right? So, um, you know, being in that space where the only way you're going to touch them is, you know, because of the music and because you're conveying that feeling and conveying that message that you want them, um, to understand.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that did a lot of, yeah, I will say that shaped that for me a lot. Um, um, in Europe and Africa and all these countries where, you know, English is not necessarily their first language Mm -hmm. or the language that they speak at all. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, just seeing how powerful music can be, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was was also a takeaway um, from that experience. I felt, my first duty station um, in music was actually San Diego. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of what brought me here and um, made me fall in love with the city so much. Um, and here in San Diego, we covered um, all of the Southwest region of the United States. Um, and so, I, perf- you know, we perform around Nevada, California, and um, that's basically it. That's covered <laughs> like this, because California is huge. And then you have Nevada, Arizona sometimes. Um, and that the mission for that band was mostly. Um, Well, there's some public performances like for universities and but then you go to high schools and do a lot of like um, recruiting efforts with the recruiters. So we do shows in high schools, um, some universities um, and then there would be like some public shows like Fleet Weeks. Uh, San Francisco has an amazing Fleet Week. I used to look forward to that gig every year. Mm -hmm. Um, Fleet Week San Francisco. But then when my next duty station was in Naples, Italy. And so and that area of representation included all of europe and all of africa so the mission for that was very different because now Mm -hmm. you're basically like an ambassador for Mm -hmm. your country right so you're kind of like a musical ambassador so you would go places and the whole point of it was for them to be like oh the u.s is so cool look at this; they're singing and dancing you know that so that was basically the point of that um Which I loved, and that was great. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was all about it. Um, I was supposed to only be there for two years, but I ended up being there for five because I kept real. I'm like, "You ready to go yet?" Like, "Nope." Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So I I ended up living in Naples um, for five years, Uh, and I would I would I didn't spend very much time. in Naples at one at one time like I would probably be in Naples maybe for a month and then Mm -hmm. I go somewhere else and then I come back for another month and then I go somewhere else and then I so it was a lot of traveling Mm -hmm. um which which after a while you know I was like I was finally ready like okay I can I can go back Mm to (laughs) and be in one spot now um because you can only you know being trains, planes, and automobiles and sleeping in motels for so long before you're ready to just, like, be home.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I was missing my people. But but those five years were so much fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm planning to go back this year, actually. i go visit to visit my Italian friends just <laughs> and maybe do a couple gigs. They haven't heard my album yet, right? So I got go to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to put a tour together. Come on.
1: European tour. Yeah. <laughs> European yeah tour. But- exactly um but yeah naples um, was so amazing and it was really a great opportunity to be able to um, perform in all those different places mm-hmm. uh, and 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 again see how powerful music is it it can, yeah. you know it's its own it's a universal language that everyone understands and can yep. It crosses all cultures and communities, and and you know, no matter what your background is, you can something that everyone can um, come together and appreciate and bind
0: over. So, yep. absolutely, it it really is. It's a, it's an amazing force that just unites all of us. You know, you can't be in a room full of people singing and and really be thinking about being mad or different from anybody. So. I love the power exactly. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, when you decided to get out of the Navy, you decided to stay here in San Diego.
1: Yes, because my last duty station was <laughs> Naples, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at that point, I was also I was getting out of the Navy, and I could have went anywhere. I, I flirted with staying in Europe <laughs> uh-huh. for a little while, um, but then it was like um, I was missing my people too much. I was like, no, I got to get closer to the Gillises. They're all in the U.S., so I should go back to the U.S.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, there was the money issue. Like, how can I, I was accustomed to a certain way of life. I'm not going to be able to do that here, yeah. you know, in Naples. So without finding, finding some kind of a job, right? Um. And I couldn't went anywhere. I, was, I didn't want to go back to Chicago because it's too cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, I had, over the years, I had kind of created my own little family anyway, and, mm-hmm. and they were here in San Diego, so I wanted to get back to my San Diego family that I had created. So I came back here um, and used my GI Bill, because I, you know, did the, the my veteran benefits in order to complete my education, because I did a little bit of college, but, Um did a finish. So I came and I finished a bachelor's degree in communication. And then I had some left. So I did a master's degree in counseling. And then um, it's educational counseling. So I ended up working for my day job. I'm a a school counselor um, at a tech school. Ah, Yeah. So I do that during the day. Um, And then so the one university I was working at, the first university I worked at, was a national university, and so I ended up getting another um, graduate degree in communication. Just because if you work for the university, you don't have to pay for the degree. So I was, and then it was this was also like um, during COVID too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I was like, well, I got a lot of time on my hands, and so I was doing my album and finishing another graduate degree at the same time.
0: Wow,
1: and so yeah, so I have um, those two degrees and. Yeah, that's kind of um, what I've been doing in San Diego ever since. Wow. I've been, I got out of the Navy and I started going to school. And then I kept going to school for about seven years <laughs> <laughs> uh, until I was uh, tired of school. Now I don't want to see another citation. I don't want to write another paper. I'm done.
0: <laughs> You're done with that. that.
1: I'm done. If I don't have to do that again, I'll, I'll be all right.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, we're so glad and fortunate that you did land here with us in San Diego. I know that you're a very beloved member of the community, and it's it's been amazing getting to chat with you and really hear you know your uh, backstory and how you got to where you are. And it sounds like your journey has really been. a journey of self-discovery through music. And I just, I love that. I think that's incredibly inspiring. And I know that um, that's really gonna touch a lot of people that uh, listen to this. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, And I know that the journey was not without its ups and downs and challenges. So you persevered through all of that. And, you know, fast forward to today, you know, you have a great career and you're doing amazing things like putting on a Stevie Wonder tribute show coming up February 10th. So, everybody, check that out. But tell me, as my last question to you, what is it that makes you unstoppable?
1: I think what makes me unstoppable is my love for music. Um, and I would say um, love, full stop, right? Because oh. love for people, love for music. Um, it's it's a powerful energy yeah. that is gonna always keep me moving and uh, my uncle always used to say keep it moving and and that's what that's what love does that's what music does it, it's you know that powerful energy that's gonna always keep me moving
0: yeah oh I love that I love that answer thank you so much for that but. Okay. Corey, it was great getting to know you. Thank you so much for doing this. It's a big honor to have you on here and to finally get to meet you and, and hear uh, hear your story. Thank you for sharing with us.
1: It was so my pleasure. I had so much fun. Thank you for asking me to do this. I had so much fun.
0: Of course. Well, where would you like everybody to check you out online and follow you?
1: Absolutely. The um, easiest way is going to be kojisoul.com, which is my website. Um, or if you're on Insta, which we all are um, a lot of the time, um, <laughs> you can find me at Koji K-O-G-E-E-2-3 on Instagram.
0: Great. Well, I'll make sure that I put all the links in the comments and the show notes. So please go like and fellow Corey's work and check out his um, check out his music. Uh, For now, I'm going to let you have the rest of your day back and say goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on The Unstoppable Singer, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks. See you later. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.